are listening to the Plano Pulse, a Plano Chamber podcast keeping you in tune with the heartbeat of the local business community. It's time for the Plano Pulse. Thank you for joining us for Plano Pulse, recorded here at the Plano Chamber office, located in the Legacy Texas Business Center. I'm Lamont Thomas, 2019 board chair of the Plano Chamber. And I'm Lisa Smith, 2019 board chair-elect of the Plano Chamber. This podcast is brought to you by WorkSuites. WorkSuites offices are the perfect balance between private and shared office space with a community of inspiring professionals serious about getting real work done. Check out all 15 DFW locations at WorkSuites.com. Let's introduce you to today's guest. Christopher Day is the commercial recycling supervisor for the city of Plano. Established in 1999, The City of Plano's commercial recycling programs have helped hundreds of Plano businesses conserve resources. Christopher and his team have a combined 60-plus years of recycling industry experience. They assist the business community with waste minimization through conducting waste stream audits, providing recycling training, assisting in preparation for green business certification, and offering environmental resources. Please join us in welcoming Christopher Day. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Chris, I would bet that when most people hear that you work in recycling, they miss that commercial component and think about residential recycling. Could you start us off by sharing a bit about commercial recycling and the programs that your team oversees? Sure. Well, before we talk about what programs we offer to address commercial waste, I think it's important to note that 70% of all waste in Plano is comprised or, or generated in the commercial sector. So we address that by organic recycling, single stream recycling, construction and demolition recycling, and we also offer a green business certified program. Awesome. Well, and before we dig deeper into some of your programs, let's talk a little bit about the numbers. When it comes to recycling, some people seem to have an apathetic attitude as if to say, it's a lot of work and what difference does it really make? So tell us, how does skipping the recycling can and tossing papers, cans, and other recyclables into the trash really impact our environment and our community? Well, it's no secret that we have a finite amount of resources on this earth. And so by recycling, we can preserve some of that virgin material for future generations. That's important. But there's also a transportation impact. And so when you recycle in Plano, especially single stream, there's a good chance that that material is going to be processed right here in town versus traveling 32 miles to the landfill. So there's the methane emissions, there's the the gas, there's the fuel that's used to affect air quality and greenhouse gas emissions overall. So there's a number of factors about that, but there's also the landfill. And it's not, trash is not cheap. Everyone knows that it's not cheap, but the, the land is scarce. And so once we fill this landfill up, we'll have to identify another source for a landfill. That's a multi-million dollar proposition that you're talking about. It's like building a nuclear submarine. It's not easy. It takes a lot of time to get the permits and it would have an impact to our taxpayers. So you mentioned single stream. What do you mean by that? Single stream basically means it's a source separated program. So out of all the inputs you bring into your home from the grocery store, from your shopping endeavors, um, you're going to put set aside a portion of that for recycling, whether it's cans, whether it's plastic bottles, cardboard, magazines, your junk mail, what have you, it can all go into one container. When you think about that, you think, again, corporation businesses, and it's not necessarily always just where do I put an employee throws their can. It's It could be the, what they how they manufacture, what do they package their material in, 
Can you talk more about that as we think about our businesses, what they can be doing broader than encouraging their employees to toss the paper into the recycling bin? Sure. And this is where the commercial side is more difficult to to look at because it really depends on the size of the business. If you're talking about a small business that has a few employees and they're generating office waste, they're probably going to be okay with a single stream program that's very similar to the residential program. But as they get larger and their their type of operations change into maybe a light industrial um, or have a lot of food waste, then the opportunities change for them as well. So for example, if you're a, a mid-sized office that has, that has a full service kitchen, then our food waste program might benefit you. Whereas if you're a small, small office, a real estate office, or what have you, insurance office, you're probably not going to be cooking a lot of food. Or that's not a good thing to be doing at work anyway. <laughs> so it just depends. Now for your large corporations, it, it's much more dynamic. Uh, for example, Frito-Lay, they have uh, an R&D center here in Plano, so they generate lots of food waste, and they just have a different stream that nobody else would have like that. They'd have a dedicated compactor for all those unused chips or all those experimental chips that they have created that nobody's eaten or they decided not to sell those, so they are responsibly you know, getting rid of those and recycling that material. Whereas someone like, for, for instance, um, Capital One, they don't have that R&D center, but they still have lots of food waste from the kitchen. So theirs would be more accessible to the employees throughout the building, but they don't have a separate building for just food waste. So so what happens with food waste? How is that different from the, the regular recycling? Food waste is, I would say, our biggest opportunity right now. And we, we, we deliver that to our Texas Pure Products Processing Facility. We have about 35 acres, which we lease from the North Texas Municipal Water District on their landfill property. We also have a grind site here at Custer and Ridgeview in town where we sell finished material. But the food waste is mixed with that. It's mixed with the wood chips and what have you. It's processed there for about three to six months, depending on how much we need or how much to sell or or the time it takes to, to mature. But that material, is it's a great application for it because, for example, when it goes to the landfill, it's emitting methane. Methane is 25 to 30 times worse than carbon. So it's, it's considered a carbon neutral application. It's much better for the environment. Food really shouldn't be in the landfill anyway, in my mind. And so that is an area that we're going to be, we're in the middle of a, a very extensive evaluation. We have a lot of corporate partners interested. The food bank is interested. Uh, University of Texas at Dallas is interested. We are having a symposium next month at the food bank to bring everyone together and try to connect food recovery and food composting and try to look at this as a linear problem to solve. So many of us have tossed something in recycling and then thought about it later and said, oops, but that's okay. They'll get it when they start recycling. They'll separate that. Is that a true statement? Well, it depends. Okay. That's the magic word. It depends on what it is. Um, it can do a lot of damage uh, to some of the material in the in the truck or once it gets to the processing facility. And I have a couple of examples for that. So if you if you have a jar of spaghetti sauce and you throw it into the truck, it's probably going to break in the truck and it's going to contaminate uh, other items. Uh, the most susceptible, the most riskier are the ones that have fibers, you know, your papers, your cardboard and things like that become contaminated and they no longer have any value. And the longer they're in the truck and once they get on the, the belts at the processing facility, the more things they touch. So you just create a lot of contamination in that, in that example. Another example is something that is not what we call conveyable. These are conveyor belts that are moving things along. So this term of conveyance as well, things that are in the stream 
that are recyclable, that's great, but can they be conveyed? Can we actually capture them? And if someone throws in a metal pipe uh, into that conveyor belt, if it gets to the conveyor belt, it's probably going to jam up the system. It could actually cause tens of thousands of dollars of damage. And, and most importantly, it creates downtime for the facility. Well, for a long time, we've measured the vibrancy of our community by the number of cranes that were in the air at any given time. While we love seeing growth, there's a definite environmental impact to, to that new construction. Can you tell us more about construction and demolition in the demolition recycling program? Sure. We actually implemented a construction demolition deposit in 2009. And I believe to this day, we're the only city that, that operates a commercial construction demolition deposit program. And the idea behind this is that we know that there is a, there's a lower tipping fee for concrete, which is extremely heavy, obviously, and metal and wood. These are things that you can recycle here locally at a net zero cost. And we did lots of work on the front end to make sure that, that you could do that because we knew we'd get in trouble if we didn't do that. And, and it's been proven out. So for example, when Legacy West was, was built, um, our diversion rate went, it skyrocketed because we had so much concrete, so much heavy CND material that was recycled. And while that's a good thing to keep it out of the landfill, we are concerned about the, the peaks and valleys that are created by that type of development. Uh, once, it, once it's over, that the construction tons kind of drop. And so now we have Collin Creek coming here, and that's going to push our diversion rate up again. But once the project's finished, what are we looking at after that? So that's, it's construction demolition. It provides us those periodic um, you know, highs in recycling that we, we, we enjoy them for that year, but we're kind of sad to see them finish because we know that it's going gonna, it's gonna to negatively impact our diversion rate once they're completed. We had some more questions for Christopher, including how to participate in the city's green business certification program. But first, let's take a quick break for a message from the presenting sponsor, Plano Pulse Work Suites. If you're trying to work from home and not getting the job done, move your offices to Work Suites. Work Suites shared offices are designed for privacy, productivity, and professionality. Their turnkey offices are move-in ready and equipped with meeting rooms, co-working spaces, full-service coffee lounge, and the latest IT infrastructure. They take care of all the office details so you can focus on running your business. Contact WorkSuites.com or call 888-312-WORK to check out one of their three Plano locations or 15 DFW area locations. That's 888-312-WORK or WorkSuites.com. Welcome back to Plano Pulse. We're here with Christopher Day, Commercial Recycling Supervisor at the City of Plano. Chris, thanks again for joining us today. Thanks for having me. You'd mentioned the symposium. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about, about what's coming up? I would love to because that is the most important initiative we're currently working on. And I think it's demonstrated by how many corporate partners, nonprofits, universities, our own city departments, and the food bank, the North Texas Food Bank, are all involved in this. So on October 23rd, we're going to have mid-level to high-level to executives come from corporations, from various organizations. Uh, we'll have Walmart Bentonville here. And it, it's just, um, it illustrates the need to do something about food. We currently have a food waste collection program. We've had it for 20 years, but its current operation is not sufficient to collect enough tons to justify the operational expense. And so how do we get past that? And we know what the answer is for composting. 
It is in having a way to separate the contamination. It's a way to depackage lots of the packaged food waste that you find at these large food banks and a lot of grocery stores. We currently can't address those things. And the carts that we use are not big enough to, to generate or transport sufficient volumes in themselves. So we need to increase capacity at the, at the generated source. We also need to address contamination and packaged food waste. The other part of this is food recovery, food insecurity. It's a, it's a huge discussion in here in North Texas. And we intend to connect those two conversations to create opportunities to donate more edible food. And for those people who are participating in those programs to have an outlet to compost what they can't donate rather than landfill. And so there's, there are a lot of conversations that are happening around this. It's gonna take the collective efforts of some of the brightest people we have in Plano. But what's, what's on our side is we have a composting facility. 40% of our commercial real estate is corporate campus real estate. We have the North Texas Food Bank here, and we have a lot of interest from our grocers. So we have all the pieces we need to, do, to create something that's lasting and will benefit our community for future generations. Spend a little more time on the composting. So you go through the composting. Is that the byproduct that that available to the community? I know sometimes with, uh, when you shred trees, that, that material, that byproduct is available that folks can come and get that and use that as, uh, as for their gardens. Is composting similar to that? Well, I'm not a master gardener, but I've heard different schools of thought on this. And some say you take some brown and some green, you add some water to it, and you'll eventually have some compost. I have a swimming pool. I know on my skimmers, uh, I take out the leaves, put them in a bin, and sometimes it turns into compost and there's worms in there. So it's pretty magical how it can happen. But at our facility, uh, the, the wood is chipped up. You know, clean wood, clean lumber can be chipped up. Clean pallets can be chipped up and made into mulch. Uh, but when it comes to creating compost or top dressing, which is just, top dressing is just a finer screen material. And um, that's where the food waste comes in. It, it, adds, uh, it adds the microbial activity. It creates that nutrient-rich kind of hummus material, which really shouldn't have any smell. I'm not going to name any names, but I've smelled some driving around here. <laughs> That's not our stuff. Um, so it's, it's great stuff. I actually use it at home every year, and I put about three to four yards of top dressing on my yard here in Plano, and mine is the first to turn green on the, on the whole street. So it's doing something right. I'm not sure what's going on there. So does the community have access to that? I mean, do you make enough? Yes, or? Our, our residents okay. can. They're invited to come to our Custer, Custer and Ridgeview grind site, and they can, if you have a truck, you have an advantage because you can buy a truckload of top dressing at a reduced rate because you're, you're part of our system here at the North Texas uh, facility. And you can buy a truckload for 28 or so dollars for a truckload for a cubic yard. If you buy that same material in bags, you're, you're looking at over $100. So if you have a truck, you have an advantage there. But if you can't do that, you can still have product delivered. We, we only charge, I believe it's $50. Uh, within 15 miles of the facility to have it delivered to your house. And you can do that in bulk, I, I believe, bags as well. The discount is available to any member of our interlocal agreement. So, for example, Plano, Residence, Frisco, Allen, Richardson, McKinney, they can all buy it at a, re at a reduced rate, just like we can here in Plano. But it's available for sale commercially to anybody. That's good to know. Okay, so now we've covered some of the major ways our business community creates waste. Hopefully our listeners are feeling motivated to get involved and make a difference. Let's talk about the Green Business Certification Program. How long have you been offering this program? And how many businesses are certified? And how can, how can our listeners learn more about it? Well, we started offering that well before I 
got gray hair. So back in 2007, we, uh, we were doing tours of, you know, when LEAD became popular, it was around 2005 and it's somewhere in that time frame. And we knew that we had a very strong corporate base of facilities that were built with the environment in mind. Once again, Frito-Lay has been there for a long time, JCPenney, and uh, even um, Prestonwood Baptist Church. A lot of these larger facilities have, um, they have energy management systems. They have uh, water that they use, groundwater that they use for the facility. They just did many things, natural lighting, for example. So we knew we had some examples here, and many of them were pursuing lead. And so we thought, let's have, let's have a monthly green business meeting for our small to medium-sized businesses here in Plano and kind of show them what this looks like in the corporate world. And once we completed that exercise, we realized that the people we really needed to help weren't the large corporations. It wasn't, wasn't, wasn't these larger buildings. It was our small to medium-sized retail businesses in Plano, which is, I think, believe 60% of our, that's the, that's the rest of the remaining pie here in Plano is not corporate campus, but small office retail. And through that process, we, we had an intern come in, uh, research across the nation, and, and see what other green businesses were doing. I actually traveled to San Francisco and met with the first green business administrator in the country. And that was a great endeavor because it, it kind of showed us the connection between municipal government and, and small business and what, what, what challenges they had to overcome to find common ground. And then how do you administer that? Obviously for Plano, it's, it's very different. So we didn't bring ideas from the West Coast or the Midwest or the Northeast and try to implement them here. We took the best parts of those things and we Planoized them as, as we do with many things here. We, we wanted to do things that were accessible to our commercial businesses um, at the same time, not, not scare them off. And then while our checklist does look challenging, it, we encourage everyone to, to call us and, and ask, you know, request the checklist. The last thing we want is for someone to get this five or six page checklist and feel intimidated because it looks, it looks kind of, you know, threatening. But that's not the point. The point is that we walk you through it. And so we actually don't have it available online. And that's for that reason. We want to know who has it so we can follow up with them and walk alongside them and kind of and, and see what, what challenges they're faced with and help them help them set set goals to to achieve certification. I have a question. Big push in right now around the paper straw and everyone's focused on the paper straw, but I suspect that's the tip of the iceberg of what the a potential impact of not getting our hands around recycling really has. Can you speak more about some of the things that are, that are I guess, hitting headlines, but really there are other things that are much bigger that we should be really focused on? Yeah, the, the plastic straw has become the poster child of, you know, I guess single-use products that we shouldn't be, shouldn't be using at all. Our paper straw is better. Um, I, I don't haven't used one yet. I, I don't really use straws at all anymore. <laughs> I just, I just use, I just use what I always have, just a cup to my mouth, I guess. But paper straws are, I'm, I'm for the idea of doing something different. Uh, I think that's always a great thing to see something different happen. There are some challenges with how long it takes them to break down. But to your point about bigger things we could be doing, uh, yeah, I would say that's that's a good that's a good point because you see that happening at businesses across Plano and, and some of it's due to our green business program. We've had restaurants actually stop buying styrofoam because they wanted to be a part of the program and we would not budge on that requirement. You cannot have single use styrofoam on our GBC program. I know it's cheaper. I know it is, but it's one of those things as a 
as a GBC administrator, you lose credibility if you have styrofoam allowed in your program. You just do, and we just can't have that. Um, but going a little bit further, when you look at what some of the corporations are doing here in Plano, um, we had an awards program recently, and all the winners on our stage, none of them had styrofoam. All of them had a green team, whether it's one person or a corporate directive. They all offer their employees reusable cups and reusable flatware. Those are things that anybody can do if they choose to. Yes, you might spend a little bit of time washing, but the evidence I've seen is that durables, reusables are, are far better than any type of disposable item. You've been with the city for 15 years. You know, Speaking to what you were just talking about, how have you seen the attitudes toward recycling change? Attitudes have changed because you know, 15 years ago, it wasn't as common to find someone that was recycling. A good example is apartments. I believe we had about two apartments that offered single stream recycling for their residents in Plano. Now there are well over 50. And so when people call and complain about it not being a mandate, I just tell them it doesn't have to be a mandate. You can find one that offers that. But we actually relaxed our enclosure requirements for commercial properties this year. And there's information out there that can assist them and benefit them to construct that and comply with our ordinance so that they can offer their residents recycling. It's not that difficult for them. And if their residents want it and demand it and they visit their front office, they can make it happen on site. So, Christopher, listeners to this podcast, when it's over, what would be a call to action? What would you ask them to do next as it relates to recycling? I would say first, educate yourself. Uh, understand what goes in your stream. Whether you're a resident, where it's a commercial application, you need to understand which program fits you best, and you need to find the best promotional items, the posters, whatever supporting documentation there is to educate you on what is acceptable in that program. You have to educate yourself first. And I would say the next step is to go ahead and start separating those things. Even if you don't implement a program today, you will understand exactly where your opportunities are if you start to separate your waste from trash and recycling and to make a decision from there. And you and your team can help with that, correct? We can help with that. We do it all the time. It's, it's a mess. It's not a clean process, but we, we go through uh, commercial trash all the time. So tell us, Chris, take us behind the curtain. What happens to our recycling when it leaves our offices? If you have a custodial company, hopefully they've been trained. And if they haven't been trained, please contact us. We have a bilingual speaker on staff who can train them. Uh, but it's important that they're part of the conversation because we do hear occasionally where somebody gets a new contract with a custodial company and suddenly they don't know what they're doing and it's going in the trash. We're happy to help train them. We can provide them information in English and Spanish uh, to, to get through that. But what happens from there is if it gets to the correct recycling container, uh, and if it's, a, if it's a local hauler here in town, it's going to go to their processing facility and it's going to get separated through a mechanical process. And it's very expensive to do that. And that's why it's important that only the acceptable items are inter introduced to this system. They create contamination if they're not. They can cause damage if they're not. So when you're putting stuff in your bin, you have to think about what you just said is what happens after it leave, leaves the house. And a lot of what happens is, is up to you. That's all the time we have for today. Christopher, thank you again for joining us. Thank you both very much. And just please remember, if you're at home looking at that bin, a recycling bin, if it's not empty, clean, and dry, don't put it in. Great. Well, we'd like to give special thanks to WorkSuites for their partnership as the presenting sponsor of Plano Pulse. WorkSuites full-service offices, meeting rooms, and co-working spaces are move-in ready with no long-term lease and minimal upfront capital. 
Check out any of their 15 DFW locations at worksuites.com. Want to join WorkSuites as a Plano Pulse sponsor and get your business in front of our listeners? Contact the Plano Chamber to learn more. Thank you so much for tuning in to Plano Pulse. Please let us know what you think. Download the Plano Chamber app for easy listening. Share with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to tune in for our next episode. Thank you.